This is the one with an obstructive parsimony. A cowhide duvet. A monstrous lack of good taste. A decade, our champion, since we boiled in oil. And but a flesh wound. It's called the King's Demons. Here we Here go. Here we go. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space Counting Daleks, Thalent, Boot and the Cybertronic race Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes please Episode by episode we're trudging down this temporal Come join us on this odyssey, what other choice could there be than Who back when? Who back when? What up? Podcast land, and welcome to yet another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Damn Skippy, that's right. I am Leon, but I am but 50% of tonight's podcast ensemble because I have the esteemed pleasure, nay, the privilege, to gaze across the ether upon the visage of mine co host, Jim Cakes. Hello, Jim. It is I, Jim, yes. Hello, Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. I'm the other half of the <laughs> guest. No, what? I don't know. I'm talking to you. <laughs> You're listening. It's a podcast. <laughs> That's it. That's what we do. We'd, the words come out of my mouth. There we go. Yeah, I remember Since how this works. Since you said other half, <laughs> I must point something out, which we have already mentioned. We mentioned this in the last New Who review. Congratulations, Jim. You are now someone's other half. You are married. Holy moly. Holy moly, indeed. Uh, thank you. Yes, that happened. <laughs> Podcast wedding, as Drew said. <laughs> Very nice. I haven't actually listened to, listened to that episode yet. I uh, intrigued what everyone said about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic news. Yes. yes. Uh, for anyone um, in podcast land who's not aware, it, whom did you marry by chance? Oh, this lovely lady called Marie. Some of you may have heard of her. In fact, may have Hooray! heard her voice. <laughs> Podcast wedding. <laughs> You don't just listen to the classics, do you? you? Listen to the New Who channel, surely. Maybe this serial swayed them to abandon the classic run, because holy moly, I think we've established before pressing records, neither one of us is a particular fan of this serial. Am I right in, in saying that? You are 100% right in saying that, <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> when I when I read the reason why this serial exists, it was like, okay, I get it, but also, no, no, I know. We'll, we'll come to this. Oh, this is a you know, yeah, little bit please, of trivia. Yeah, come, I mean, I think to. I just found but, what my very first question for you is going to be, because I've not read that. I, I'm intrigued. But before we do that, shall we summarize this um, dumpster fire for podcast land <laughs> in a bite-sized chunk of who? Why, I suppose we should, yes. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize So take a view, and grab a brief, and listen to this overview This free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who Bite-sized chunk of who It's quarter past lunchtime, or the year 1215 as some would have it And the not-so-good King John has rocked up at some lord's castle to squeeze a bit more tax out of him the Lord politely declines, the King's champion gets pissed off, well, he is a hot-blooded Frenchman, allegedly, and before you can say, I hope this doesn't turn into a boring joust scene, there's a boring joust scene happening between the Lord's son and Frenchie McNo accent. What better time and place for the TARDIS to arrive than slap-bang in the middle of said joust? It's okay, though. As no one seems that freaked out by a big blue wooden box appearing out of nowhere and then some weird-looking people stepping out of it, probably demons, after all, head demon, a.k.a. the Doctor, Soon works out that King John is most likely an imposter, and a very short quest begins to find out who or what he really is, 
and what devilish scheme is underfoot? Biscal over. <laughs> Thou art welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just <laughs> very, very monastic? I love it. Excellent. Quite appropriate. Uh, so, uh, dude, I do have a new introductory question for you. And by the way, I've got tons of questions for you, but I have a new one. Please regale us. Why was this made? Well, it's basically what I read anyway. I, I haven't looked into how truthful this is, but it is there because they saw the the effects of this character called Chameleon, the the robot, basically, which mm. was the joint effort of an effects designer, Richard Gregory, and a software designer, Mike Power. And they basically Mike showed this off Power. to... I mean, that's a name, isn't it? That's pretty grand. Um, pretty, pretty grand, yeah. Yeah. And they showed it off to Nathan Turner and Sawood, who were running the show, I guess, at the time. And they were like, oh my god, this is amazing. We need to have this into... I, I think they, they must have sat down and said we want this to be a character a recurring character so we need to introduce it we need a story to introduce this character and that's this they they basically commissioned a script to introduce this character and okay okay i get the idea behind that but if like this isn't focused around chameleon like it, it's not yeah, chameleon's barely in it <laughs> yeah like I, i'm gonna play the red dwarf card a little bit like the first Go time ahead. we see the character of Crichton in, in red dwarf is is quite early on and he doesn't come back until a whole other series later but the thing they play with is the idea of a robot being a servant and having to break programming to have free will effectively and this is in a comedy sitcom you know um, and I feel like hmm. that's treated so much better with the idea of like a subservient robot than this thing in an entire serial that's meant to be dedicated to it. And it's yeah, it's like a snippet at the end where they get the idea. We get the idea that Chameleon actually has free will and a mind of his their own. And yeah, like why isn't that the point of the serial? Why is why is this a master serial? Why is I don't know. It's just so weird. Well, I mean, that's a different question all on its own. <laughs> the second the master showed up at the first episode cliffhanger, I was <laughs> temporarily swayed to be on board. I was like, yeah, no, this is I'm I'm fine with this now this is a 5.0 serial i love the master great more of him please but um i i don't know that i i mean i'm kind of assuming that we're going to learn more about chameleon going forward this being the serial that introduces him makes no sense to me aside from the fact that like it, it gives us an excuse to have him be introduced in the ne next serial like, we don't learn where he's from really what his function is really what his abilities are really why he has a personality he's clearly he clearly does have free will but then why was he subservient to the master why was he you know at his beck and call we don't find out any of these details and i'm intrigued enough to want to learn more about him do you think he works even in theory as you know a, a, an unanswered and unaddressed conundrum i think i don't i don't mind that i guess i guess maybe as it's presented, it's fine. But then finding out this bit of information, I just found it. I found it mind-boggling myself. Yeah, that you would you would look at this effect and think, I want this to be almost like a <laughs> signature centipedes. piece of Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> I want this to to be re reoccurring in Doctor Who for God knows how many serials. But you know, okay, like, like you're but... introducing a companion or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, but consider when you the companions a companion... that you currently have. <laughs> Yeah, we absolutely want this effect. Wouldn't it be great? He could be like a guard or a henchman or something. Like, no, maybe, maybe more. Have you have you <laughs> considered maybe swapping that Turlo chap out for someone else? Or um, Tegan's kind of I don't know. We we still don't really know what to do with her. She's great, but we still aren't really treating her right. Uh, 
shall we maybe just give up and <laughs> replace it with an automaton? <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but if that's, he's that's be kind of my companion. point, though. Yeah, like I, f- I feel like I mean, I'm reading, I'm reading a hell of a lot in this like two line entry on Wikipedia, but it feels like they were just gobsmacked to this this concept, and it's like we need to get this into Doctor Who, and be it a companion or just a long long term along for the ride, you know, maybe not much more than a living tool. I don't know, a living mm. MacGuffin that comes in and out of stuff in the way that K nine kind of was treated. He seems to have a bit more sass to him than K nine, though. Quite, yeah, quite potentially. But you know, if that's the case, though, why is it closer to the introduction of a companion story like i'm pretty sure tegan she was in the very first scene turlo i think he was in the very first scene adric i can't remember but you know when you introduce a companion the whole episode quite often hinges around them like it's and you get to see them doing stuff you don't see them being something else for half of the story and then at the end it's revealed who they are something you know yeah that's that's a super good point i wonder if this in some way could be seen as a reimagining of the companion role because I mean I wouldn't want to see a whole serial with that mannequin acting as a companion that's not necessarily good TV the way that having Tegan or Turlo or whomever else act because they're a person with acting abilities like having them act on screen that's much better yeah um, so if you're gonna make someone a companion but you don't want to show them on screen all the time as you said you don't want to have him from like if, if you choose actively choose not to have him in scene one then that's you making a choice about what the companion means going forward maybe the companion going forward is more of a k9 than tegan or nissa you know Mm. but even yeah even with that, like, I find it odd that he obviously, he portrays King John, and it's at the, or under the influence of the Master, so it's it's hard to know, actually, in the context of this serial. I, I didn't really understand, at least, where the Master stopped and Chameleon took over, sort of thing. Like, whether yeah, that's a good the, point. Master, yeah. the Master is, like, literally puppeting him, and I think we see a, a brief snippet where the Master's kind of, like, saying, stop Joff- Joffrey, or Jeffrey, I can't remember how you say his name. And mm. then Chameleon as King John kind of says, stop him. Um, so obviously there's a there's a command and then there's an interpretation of the command in the character of King, yeah. King John. So, you know, there's something going on there. But, but I kind of would have liked to see more of that, maybe like just a little bit of working out how Chameleon is acting effectively, like pretending to be King John. And then you would learn a bit more about Chameleon. But you don't. You just see King John and then you see Chameleon and that's it. Okay, do you think perhaps going forward we're gonna have chameleon around because i kind of forgot about the whole chameleon element of chameleon the robot do you think going forward we we might have a companion who just changes shape and is acted by different people all the time i mean i guess that would have been the obvious thing to lend itself to because then Mm. you can like you say like this isn't a fully animatronic walking robot because nothing is in 1983 Uh, pretty much not even there now so you would you would have to have if you're going to go out of the TARDIS you would have to have something else taking over and that would probably be yeah you would 
morph chameleon into something else. I don't know. But what well, a weird choice then. Holy girl. moly, that robot looks so great. Let's put him on the show, make him a centerpiece, and then replace him with other actors. Well, I guess it's, they can have some thought pieces in the TARDIS, perhaps, and the odd scene from time to time. Yeah, where, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, no, I kind of like that. that. I, I actually really love the idea of chameleon, of being this animatronic robot. I know for a fact, like, little... I mean, I was too young at the time, but let's say eight-year-old Jim, if I watched this on a rerun, would be obsessed with this robot. I mean, it's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> I really and the enjoyed the sass. I, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I, and, I yes, can't really sass, tell yeah. you what eight-year-old me thought, but... <laughs> 38-year-old me thought that, holy moly, I really enjoyed the sass, but I would tire of endless conversations with this automaton. Well, let's let's wait and see. My understanding is that he's not going to be around for a super long time, but no, uh, part of this I'm sure we'll form an opinion. Yes, this same trivia saying like who the creators were. Really sadly, so I said there's like an effects guy and a software guy. The software guy, Mike Power, died in a mm. boating accident like really soon after filming. I'm not sure yeah. if it's filming this one or the second one but basically comedians only in two episodes uh, serials rather and then there's written out oh i see and it's because no of one this else tragedy. carrying it on yeah oh that's dreadful that's that's really yeah. sad uh, it's really sad oh rest in peace so, power. yeah unfortunately i don't think we're like no matter what they had planned like i don't think we're going to discover i feel like it's just maybe we'll get one episode uh, series sorry serial uh, <laughs> to taste <laughs> a little bit fully of what what they had in mind and then that's it over and then goodness knows yeah are you are you hearing this hashtag rtd2 uh bring mm. back chameleon see what you can do with him <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon chameleon is fully functional and programmed in multiple techniques <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, i, I mean myself. i know exactly what you're asking <laughs> <laughs> i mean Based on how just the head and the torso moves, I wouldn't expect much action from that guy. So <laughs> I don't know if it's a bit of a moot point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, do you have anything else about Chameleon? Or how about we otherwise move on to the other companions? Let's talk about the other companions, yeah. I mean, as best as you can. Like, I'm struggling to recall how much they actually did in this. Yeah, not tons right there are a few things yeah. that happened that maybe were a little bit surprising to me that the i mean perhaps the biggest surprise not or rather the first surprise in no way about the characterization of this person but this evidently is not turlow's final episode like you know quite qu quickly into part one it becomes clear oh we're not on his home planet as expected he's not now going to say farewell to the tardis team we might have him around for a while yes even we, we can talk about the scene at the end maybe in a bit more detail but the scene mm -hmm. at the end he's still not rushing like maybe maybe he's accepting that the tardis just can't take him where he wants to go but he's not pressuring doc to like go no our next trip is to my home planet like yeah I feel like we're definitely getting for one one more and maybe we're getting from a whole other series who knows I mean you've jumped to that ending scene did you feel that he was suddenly a little bit more interesting there because I did he was suddenly a bit more interesting yeah he talks about like in the very romantic terms he talks about oh the eye of Orion is very beautiful uh, what is it he uh, negates what Tegan's saying about Chameleon and goes yes I do trust Chameleon like oh hang on here's a he's, he's doing this kind of in a friendly way now in a sassy friendly almost sentimental way rather than in an antagonistic way as has been previously the case when he was under the influence of the Black Guardian. I mean, I, I get In fact, I would say the saying. second he threatens the master, that's when he becomes interesting to me. Mm, 
Yeah, I don't know if I would go as far as to say interesting. I felt okay. I feel like this. <laughs> this to me is is what I felt with Adric for a long time. It's just like suddenly, and at least there there is we can make an explanation in our heads for Turlo, I guess, because you're right, the Black Guardian isn't threatening him him anymore. But mm. still, we haven't addressed that. It hasn't been discussed between him and Doc and stuff. But yeah, it feels to me like what they used to do with Adric, where it's just like, we've decided Adric is incredibly smart and he's been genning up on everything. And so we, you know, we haven't shown you, but you know, he he just knows everything about the TARDIS. He's like super competent and all this. And then now it's like, oh yeah, we haven't shown you, but Turlo is now like one of the TARDIS crew. He, he loves the Doctor. He's not trying to kill him. No, he doesn't want to go home. No, he just wants to stay there and uh, have fun times <laughs> everywhere. And he, he finds beauty in the smallest things. He's not not a little shit. What are you talking about? That's, no, no, he was never yeah, no, a little you're, shit. You're Where did you get the nail that impression from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head. That's true. I'm not suggesting that I'm okay with them just reinventing this character, mainly because of how the other characters react around him. There's still no one going. Wait, which planet are you from? Why are you here? You know what? Yeah. What were you doing on Earth? There's nothing like that. How old are you? Why do you know shit? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going back on myself a little bit here. Towards the end, I could see how that character could be spun as an interesting addition to the TARDIS team. That's that's a little mm. hesitant and cowardly of me, but I'm, yeah, that's my thing, and I'm sticking with it. I think I think I just found there wasn't enough until the very last scene. I don't think there was enough of him or Tegan for me to really, yeah, exactly, yeah, like think much about their characterization beyond what we'd already seen. Like we get. T- Tegan being Tegan. cold, we get okay. Turlo looking out of a window and then... <laughs> Them being then arrested. he's he's just separated from them so he has some weird interactions but most of it's just like um the doctor's great i'm with the doctor oh no don't arrest me i'm with the doctor yeah it's just stating facts uh, in a slightly personal way um sure i don't know so what does i mean it do? is you like you say, me? what does she do oh sorry i don't know if she does anything other than at the end gets into the tardis doesn't actually manage to do anything with the tardis it she's well, just doesn't she because I, I did write oh sorry i'm talking over you what was that sorry i got the impression she goes into the tardis this Oh no, she does. I think she does press some buttons. I think she maneuvers it. I think she's yeah. able to pilot the TARDIS, and I don't know since when she's able to do so. I think Doc says some stuff to her, which I didn't make note of. But then she she goes into the TARDIS, and I think he's given her some brief instruction on what to do. But she seems slightly uncertain of what she is doing. She flips some switches. The TARDIS dematerializes. There's some beeping noises. Then there's a scene of her being like frustrated and like I don't know what to do now with the beeping noises in the background. And then I think the yeah. next thing we see is the, the TARDIS materializing again? I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's how uh, I remembered it anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. But she must still be able... I mean, she's able to press buttons and make things happen inside the TARDIS, which is more than she has hitherto been capable of, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Does she actually case, solve yeah. any problems? Does any... Or does Turlo? Turlo, I guess, tries to, to a degree. He... He points at the monster and goes, get him, He's the he, that's the evil one, or something like that. But what does mm, Tegan do? I can't remember. I don't know if she does anything. I think she's just kind of following the dock around yeah. everywhere. I mean, I definitely felt like this... I mean, I'm, maybe I'm reading too much because it's introducing this this new character that is potentially a companion. Um, yeah. But it, it definitely felt like the existing companions didn't need to be there. This is just the dock in a situation meeting someone that he wants to bring on the TARDIS. 
Yeah, but it's not just that he stumbles upon this. I mean, we need to talk about the actual plot and background here, because this is, as you said before, this is a master serial. There is an actual threat to mankind. The master is behind this, and Chameleon is just his pawn. Yeah. Normally, when this sort of stuff happens, the companions are given agency. They're allowed to be a little gung-ho. Tegan has certainly proven herself capable in the past. Turlo hasn't really, but Turlo's potentially been under the influence of this other malevolent power and consequently has been, you know, he's excused in a sense. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I excuse him, but you know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a reason why he hasn't been proactively furthering the plot or proactively helping the Doctor or saving mankind or whatever. But Tegan has, and in this one she does not. No. I think um, the only note I have about her is right at the start of episode two, for some reason she throws a knife at the Master, and for some reason the Master is just able to catch it. Like that's about as, <laughs> about as involved as she gets until the last thing with the TARDIS. I've even completely blanked on that. <laughs> I should say, full <laughs> disclosure, I saw this several days ago. I thought it was kind of forgettable at the time. I watched it at the same time as... Okay, I watched so much softcore porn while this serial was playing in the background that I think <laughs> by Pavlovian rules, henceforth, I will get a stiffy whenever I hear a medieval synth flourish. <laughs> in fact, I'll pop one of those soundbites in here. So I'm a little iffy on a few details and I don't remember now. throwing any knives. I'm sorry? I'm just imagining what happens to you when you see Chameleon now. <laughs> Chameleon... Doesn't really do it for me, I'm sorry. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, the plot in general. Yeah. Now, I don't really know much about the Magna Carta. I recall looking it up when everyone started banging on about the Magna Carta as if it's like the British Constitution and discovering that it's nothing close to the British Constitution. It has no, no legal binding Carta, whatsoever um, in modern day. I'm I'm sorry? Yeah, like has it has no legal precedence today, and I don't think it even had a huge amount of sway, like beyond the brief period where it was written and obviously applied to the people that were alive then. Yeah, I mean, the Magna Carta. What did it do? It limited the power of the king and the and the nobility. Certainly, the king. Okay, is that it? That's that. It, I, I feel like that's it. I recently did the life in the UK test, and I had to read about this. So, like, <laughs> th- this knowledge is kind of in the back of my head. Wikipedia summary makes it more about like the idea of protection. Yeah, it's from... a royal charter of rights. Yeah, but the yes. I don't know. I was I was just I was trying to work out basically: is this as presented? Is this a case where if the master interferes with the creation of Magna Carta, the entire history of the earth is like no. forever upended and i you know for a second no. it's just like this is like british arrogance taken up to a level <laughs> isn't it surely <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in I, i'm gonna say almost every other country on earth there's someone going magna what <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, there's <laughs> to, to clarify just to, to add some context to that statement the reason it's uh, the Earth and not anywhere in England is that the Master is... So the Master's plan is he's substituted King John with this chameleon in order to prevent the Magna Carta from being signed, in order to, in turn, prevent the formation of democracy on the British Isles, in order to, in turn, dot, 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 declare himself Emperor of Earth. But that's crazy bananas. That's... (laughs) There's, there are there's so some many steps other missing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what what are those other steps? Is it right? So King John is now going to well, Chameleon John is what going to wage war against all the other nations of the earth, take them over, and then the master will inherit the throne and make himself and declare himself just emperor, god king. Is is that is that what's going to happen? I don't know. Like I I really took it that it was just the fact that the Magna Carta wouldn't be signed, ergo doesn't exist, was the entirety of the plan. Like there was nothing else said. Was there? He does say he's going to be quote emperor of Earth. Like this will yeah, make yeah, him no. emperor like, of Earth. It's like yes, no Magna Carta is step one, step two question mark, step three emperor of Earth. But the question <laughs> yeah, mark exactly. was left open, was it not? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? Yeah. I want to go on record as saying the master can, if he wants to, he can declare himself emperor of Earth. That does not make him emperor of Earth. All that he is managing to do here is sort of potentially affect a Brexit, like a pre-Brexit, where he uh, (laughs) subtracts one more sheath of democracy from the British Isles before there's even a greater notion of it. And he he just subsumes any, any of that authority for himself or in the avatar that is chameleon. But that has no effect on any other country anywhere. The the only way that he can yeah. do that is through war at this period. Well, in general. Yeah, Does exactly. The, the, the scale is not that? right. Yeah. Yeah. The, but the, the other thing is, like I think like you just hinted at, as far as I'm I'm understanding it, the master was never saying, I'm going to basically replace the real King John with Chameleon and then do other things. It was literally, I'm putting in Chameleon here now to discredit King John so he won't sign the Magna Carta. But then I, you know, it sounded like oh, then the master did gonna not get that. He's going to bugger off with Chameleon, and the real King John will just be left around going, "Ah, shit! Uh, everyone hates me." Okay, fools. <laughs> yeah, well, what a pity, King John, famously popular king. <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch that at all, because to me it just seemed like this is a really rubbish plan, because, I mean, now there are two of them. Why here? Why does this discredit King John? Well, exactly. I mean, this, this And why Lord... would that be the best course of action? Why not kill King John, replace yes. him with this android? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or like, at the very this... least... You know, tie him up somewhere. Tie him in a tie him up in an outhouse. We'll do the men in tights gag. Tie him up in an outhouse, the John. And in the meantime, Chameleon is running around acting as though he's King John. And then at the end, Doc has to rescue the king from the outhouse or from wherever. It could be a potato cellar. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, it makes more sense to not have the real King John walking around whilst you're impersonating King John. That's for sure. Hmm. Like, that's step one, isn't it? Take Jing Jin. <laughs> Jin jo- Jing Con. No, um, King John out of the <laughs> equation. <laughs> It's only one beer down. Whoopsies. (laughs) I'm going to look up another classic serial namely the Timer Meddler. I mean, it's set in a different era. It's set in 1066, and it has a different Time Lord, namely the Monk. But it's another example of someone tries to do something relatively minor on the British Isles, and it's going to have massive consequences in their mind. If you, if those are the stakes you're aiming for, basically n- nothing from the 20th century backwards is your time period. Like, you need to be mm. in the future where there is the concept of, like, a global president or something and then yeah exactly that's how you take control of stuff or even in the present day when doc is that person 
Oh yeah, yeah, in New Who. Yeah. I mean, like th- that would be a great idea. In fact, you know, have have the master go to present day, quote unquote, twenty sixteen, <laughs> and tie up the Doctor in an outhouse, impersonate <laughs> him using the chameleon robot, and <laughs> uh, and discredit the President of Earth in order for there to be a re-election or something, and the master gets elected. Yeah. But the other, the other thing is that this is this is just one tiny piece of the master's plan as well. It's like I'm going to do this same thing on countless other planets to become like basically ruler of everything. He's going to because that's where it didn't quite make sense to me is as that well. The it plan? was like turning yeah, turning everything into chaos so that he can basically pick up the pieces and become ruler of everything. Uh, okay. And it's like I mean, if this is your starting point, I, I honestly don't hold out much hope for you succeeding with that plan. This is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. May I suggest you, you go and start with somewhere that actually gives you some power? <laughs> like at the end of this, and... you're, you're ruling 13th century Britain. Well done. <laughs> the equivalent nowadays might be the master shows up in Slough or Basingstoke with the robot impersonates the vice president of Tesco, discredits the vice president of Tesco in order to become the new prime minister of the UK. (laughs) Pretty sure that doesn't tally. (laughs) Okay, question for you. Chameleon is impersonating King John. Do you think that the king's song, you know, his little ditty, do you think that is Chameleon's or is that actually King John's? Um, I don't know. I'm slightly disturbed. I have to have that in my mind mind again i was quite happy pretending that didn't happen <laughs> did you like it <laughs> what's wrong about uh, it well it it forced me to write down far too much jousting jesters and looting um in this <laughs> this serial and then the king is a shite singer and the song is also shite <laughs> Uh, Right. Okay. Thank you very much for providing the one-line summary of this episode that is going up on the website. (laughs) I mean, this is a two-part serial, and they spend a ridiculous amount of time showing jousting a random guy with a loot, a silly jester, and then this song interlude. It's it's just insane. Absolutely. Yeah. Why is this serial not called Nothing Happens, Then There's a Naked Robot, Then Nothing Happens Again? (laughs) This... (laughs) <laughs> yes. Somewhat more appropriate title, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is. It's not even like offensive. Oh, no, I guess it is offensive. It's offensive that they, they thought they could get away with it. No. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> There's so little substance in this. It's it's just mind-boggling. And like the fact fact that it's introducing a new could-be companion, the fact that it's a master serial, the fact yeah. that there's only two parts, yet nothing. <laughs> it's just full of filler stuff, and then the plot is nonsense, and then yeah, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wasn't even that smitten with the master in this one. It's just rote, you know. Like he's acting according to a few steps that have been established in prior master serials. Like it's not entirely dissimilar to the master in Logopolis. He's pretending to be someone else. He's behind some sort of shimmer yeah. or whatever, uh, or makeup. And um, he's got some some plot. Great. And then at some point he is revealed and the plot just continues
use until he is defeated. Fine. But it, it felt like diet master. You know, it's master light. Master zero. And the plot just isn't interesting enough. He isn't allowed to be maniacal enough. It, this, fully conceded, by the way, this is largely to do with the fact that it is a two-part serial. Imagine this as a four-parter. They would have to fill it with something. And the master is the logical thing to fill that with. Yeah, I guess... I guess that's the thing. It's like, in my head, the, the biggest waste is that the reveal that it's the master is at the 50, the halfway mark, the 50% mark, the mm. the end of episode one. It's like, I I think I'd actually seen something, maybe the screenshot of a DVD cover or something, and I, I knew the master was in this, and then oh, probably I had forgot. Oh, I no idea. Okay. I, it just went out of my head entirely, and then I was generally surprised when he, he popped up at the end. And it's like, okay, episode one of a two-parter, down, and now you've revealed the master. Wait a minute. No. Did you really just do that? Did you really just waste okay. the master? Okay, <laughs> as our resident cliffhanger expert, what would you have preferred as the cliffhanger for part one were it not in any way related to the master? So that the master reveal comes halfway through part two, I guess. I mean, God knows, nothing happens in this, so <laughs> what are you going to do? What about Chameleon? Cliffhanger? What about Chameleon? Would have been okay to earlier. reveal King John as being a robot in part two. Yeah, no, I think I think you're probably right. Actually, get get all the important stuff out in episode one, and then episode two has more room to actually deal with some meat of the storyline. Yes, Dagnabbit, deal with some <laughs> meat. Now, if I had a nickname think... for every time, <laughs> <laughs> you've said that and then been slapped around the face. Um, yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. This is an episode I'm not going to be asking my mum to listen to. I think I think you might have hit the nail on the head. Uh, I don't know if you intentionally did or not, but I've interpreted it that you have, though. Uh-huh. It's, it's, just, it's just written <laughs> as a four-part serial, but unfortunately it's a two-part. But part. squeezed into two? Oh! Not even, not even that's squeezed. That's not what I was going to say. I think that's a great point, though, and I'll take credit for it. But <laughs> Certainly episode one. I feel like episode one is written as a first episode and a four-parter. It's not written as half a serial. Yeah, that's a... I think that's spot on because they're not rushing through anything. They're still alluding to a much grander narrative. Like there's, there's enough of a story here to merit four parts. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's episode one that I'm making this note. There's already too much jousting, justice and looting. Like (laughs) there's, they're wasting time in episode one with bloody (laughs) jousting, justice and looting. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I've just checked, by the way, the Time Meddler, four episodes. That's a four-parter, where you have a a Time Lord messing with some occurrence in British history, hoping to affect broader political change. Four parts. That's what you need. I mean, most of these things do. Yeah. Because, I I mean... Basically, this is the length of a New Who episode, but New Who has modern production, higher budget, and you can you can convey things in a different way because you can use special effects and you can do big opening swooping shots and stuff, you know, can set the scale a bit bigger. Whereas classic has to rely a bit more on dialogue and stuff. And I feel like if you if they're if they're stepping back from dialogue, it's normally because it's light on story. It's not because they've got something really beautiful or interesting to show you. <laughs> Occasionally there are some beautiful yeah. models in that. But in this, yeah, it's just it felt like filler. I was like, how are you filling a two part here? Anyway, I've probably said the same thing ten times in ten different ways. Could, what else is there left to talk about? <laughs> 
Oh, I, I do. I have some questions for you, actually. Okay. The, okay. Where did we leave the master last? So, chameleon is a quote. Like, it was sorry, quote paraphrase. He's a tool of an earlier invader of Zeraphas, which rings no bells to me, and was quote instrumental in my the master's escape from that benighted planet. When did we last encounter the master? Is this the thing with the the really bad Chinese impression? Damn it! Can't remember. I'm not. I'm not sure. Hang on, I'm going to whobagwoman.com, I'm going to click on the master. Vindex, allies and nemeses. There we go, the master. Oh, I need to, you know what? I need to split up the master on um, in the Vindex to be, you know, the master, the missy. In fact, like every iteration of the master to date. So the last time we had the master in Classic was Time Flight. What happens at the end of Time Flight with the master? Yeah, that that is the one I'm thinking of. And yeah, so it was a species that was kind of gestalt in a way. Oh, and yes. Did he basically get merged with them? I don't know. He was. I can't actually remember exactly I, how that ended. Wasn't he trying to I, use them as his fuel, like as a fuel cell inside yeah. a, either a spaceship or a time machine, or I can't remember now. I think that was his plan, and then that got thwarted, and he must he must have been like trapped with them in some fashion. I th- I think they are or their planet is that's the Zeraphim, isn't it? Oh my goodness, you're so incredibly right. I'm just looking at yes, the Zeraphim. I'm on the Hubak Wen page for this. The Zeraphim are they're the people that he was trying to use as fuel so Zeraphas must be their planet so I guess he was left at the mercy of the Zeraphim at the end of that episode and this robot chameleon must have been one of the, like maybe a security guard or maybe a fellow prisoner or something. This is the kind of stuff that I'm really hoping to learn in I guess now the next episode of Doctor Who but or of Classic Who but <sighs> crap, if we're not getting chameleon very very much. Maybe we're going to have to rely on trivia from, you know, novels or graphic novels, comic books, yeah. books, etc. Yeah, I've just quickly found a summary of what happened in Time Flight. And yeah, basically, and I, I recall this actually just happening as like dialogue. We didn't get to see any of it. It's the oh, doc. Yeah? has reprogrammed um, the Master TARDIS and and probably Doc said something like, oh, he'll have fun on Xerophon. Um, You know, something cheesy like that. Ah, and it's just okay. like he, yeah. he makes the Master's TARDIS go to Xerophon and it must be disabled in some way, I guess. That's why he's surprised that he's managed to escape. I love that as a trope, by the way, that every time the Doctor bests the Master, he fucks with his TARDIS and... <laughs> And something, something just horrifically cruel befalls him afterwards. Like at the end of this one, he's basically stuck with a randomizer in his TARDIS. I mean, I do love it. It's quite an interesting way of dealing with stuff, and it means that we get the master coming back all the time. But it's a shit way of actually dealing with the master. <laughs> There is a scene in part two where the master is forced into the Iron Maiden, which, love it, by the way, that's his TARDIS. The Iron Maiden is his TARDIS. Yes, that was quite cool. It's very cool. And Doc is forced to make a choice. He's put in this position of like, well, one of you is getting into that Iron Maiden. And am I right in thinking there was a moment where the doctor went, oh, maybe I should. You know, He's just so inherently good that he's 
He's prone to self-sacrifice, even for his nemesis slash best friend. How do you interpret um, that scene? But it, the choice wasn't between the master and the doctor, though. It was the choice between the master or the Lord's cousin. Was he oh, Jeffrey was Joffrey? Yeah. Ah, but I, I, okay. I, I Wait, think, hang on, me I, think I know the look you're talking about. I think there's a look basically where maybe the doc is thinking, could I save the master by killing the cousin? Yeah. And I think... I think the Lord comes up to him, basically, and they have a little bit of a, a kind of shared look. And then Doc just kind of, not collapses, but maybe just kind of like leans forward a bit. And it's just like let, letting things happen, which means... I feel like he, like, he turns his in. back on the, the Iron Maiden and is almost yeah. just like, oh, I, I cannot handle... The, the weight of this situation. I clearly misinterpreted it. I clearly misremembered what was going on in that scene as well, but it still seems like a an interesting, like a, from a psychological point of view, an interesting thing to before the Doctor. Yeah, I think it could have been played out better, really. It never really felt to me like, this is the commanding Doctor. I've said this before about Davison's Doctor. Like, there's so many instances I can imagine in other serials with other Doctors that this wouldn't happen. Like, there would be another option available. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's it's not satisfying that things happen because of something outside of a doctor's imagination or control. And, you know, yeah. the only reason that no one dies in this Iron Maiden is be- because the master's running the show and it's his TARDIS, you know. But Doc didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's very clear that Doc didn't know that. And I found it, I always find it weird when you get a situation where Doc doesn't know what's going on and someone could have died. So what is, what's going on between the Doc and the master in this serial because Doc is at some point, I guess this must be in part two, he is sort of elevated to almost head henchman of King John's and um, plays the part of the bad guy in order to maybe get closer to the master, get closer to King John and so on. The master, meanwhile, it seems to me he stops focusing on his own plot of as you said, discrediting King John, as I thought, preventing the signature of the Magna Carta, and instead oh, no, it focuses is, it is on to discre- prevent the, the the Magna Carta. It's it's to discredit him so that for some reason he won't go to sign. I don't know. He won't. That's, be, that's yeah, the way. His signature won't be okay. Well, regardless, he ceases to focus on that, and he instead focuses on almost discrediting yeah. the Doctor. Because there's a scene where, for example, he goes into the dungeons and he helps save, or rather, he releases a few prisoners. And that's kind of in aid of him convincing them that the Doctor is not to be trusted. Yeah, I... I really don't get it. I really don't. Like, of, of the things that the Master should be doing with his time, like, I don't know why you would care about trying to influence, like, basically, as far as he's concerned, peasants. It doesn't matter if they're nobility or not. Like, yeah. he's the Master. Everyone below him, which is everyone in his mind, are peasants. You know, anyway. Like, he's two steps why... removed from being the Emperor of the Earth. Like, why yeah, is exactly. he dealing with these people? <laughs> why, is, why is he trying to ingratiate himself with anyone? Why... Mm. Why this is, is he doing this? Rate. Yeah, but he is. You're right. Like he's. I think he's trying to associate himself with the king as well. Like he's saying that the doctor is trying to. Like, but he basically tells his plan as if it's the doctor's plan, and and then says that you know the doctor's the bad guy and I'm rescuing you. But then that means he's on the side of the king, which is making the king look good, which doesn't fit with his plan of trying to discredit the king, because now all these people love him and the king. It's like, yeah, what? Uh, you're right. 
Well, I guess, I mean, maybe he can... Oh, no, you know what? I mean, no. I was going to say, well, maybe he, he can use this opportunity to... Sorry, go for it. I was, I was like, shouldn't he be like going, I am the right hand of King John. I am killing everyone in the name of King John because that's what he likes to do. He's a sadistic Absolutely. bastard. <laughs> yeah, but won't other people then see the real King John sign the Magna Carta and go, oh, it's good. He really turned over a new leaf. Like that, that chap, we, we had our doubts, you know, when he went and killed everyone in the name of King John in the name of himself but then he went ahead and signed this thing that kind of demoted himself that's yeah, uh, not a bad thing no I'm getting squeaky like <laughs> you know my point is the only way for the master to win is for him to kill King John <laughs> he should he well, should a- impersonate King John and go to the signing of the Magna Carta I'm, I'm by the way I don't know what this looked like but I'm picturing something like a <laughs> medieval press conference and there are all these medieval journalists at, in attendance, the master as King John, or Chameleon as King John, signs the Magna Carta, then takes the quill and stabs everyone in the eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) Then takes the Magna Carta, tears it in half, and uses both halves to give everyone paper cuts. Boom! Mission accomplished! You're the Emperor of the Earth now. That's how you do it, master. That's how you do it. Fuck it, I mean, I'm claiming Retro Rewrite. If the master can yeah. claim Emperor of the Earth, I'm claiming Retro Rewrite of the Week. <laughs> I mean, I'm applauding you there. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Um, Thank you. Partic- Thank particularly you. liking the paper cuts. Ingenious. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the only way this can make any kind of sense in my head is the Lord who is apparently Ranulph Fitzwilliam, Lord Fitzwilliam, is either the biggest gossip in England or has the most conveniently placed castle. Like, if you're... Yeah. What is he? He's off... The real King John is off signing the Crusader's Oath. So wherever that is, and wherever the Magna Carta is going to be signed in a few months' time, like, you have to come through this Lord's land, and he's really influential, and all this kind of stuff. So basically, if Chameleon and the Master have made up such a fuss that when like Chameleon buggers off as the fake King John and the real King John shows up, he's basically going to get lynched. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's the only way it can kind of work is that the real King John has to end up in this location, or there is enough influence spread around that wherever he goes, basically people are just going to try and stab him because <laughs> he's he's just seen as such a bastard, and yeah, so he can't make he exactly. can't make it to the signing of the Magna Carta. Or or he, he arrives at the signing of the Magna Carta and everyone else is just like brandishing it and saying, no, paper cuts for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, no, oh, none, <laughs> I'm having none of this. <laughs> I'm having none of it. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. <laughs> How did you feel about the sword fights? Sir, Sir Giles, Sir Gilles, the greatest swordsman of France. I mean, it's not saying a lot about France. <laughs> no, I think as a matter of deductive logic, we can assume that the French can't fight for shit. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the doctor can't fight either. And uh, no, nope, that's true. Yeah, that was pretty shit, wasn't it? <laughs> 
I wasn't a huge fan. I, I'm surprised, actually. I was half expecting you to really enjoy that. But that's interesting. Okay. What, the sword fight? Yeah. You like a bit of uh, fisticuffs and sword fighting. And I, I generally kind of go, that's terrible. And you're like, no, it was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sword fights, they didn't really do it for me, unfortunately. I liked the, the idea of a little bit of um, swashbuckling. I, I quite enjoy that. Yeah. With Pertwee, I loved it. Here, it just it doesn't work. I don't buy Davison as a swashbuckler. And uh, I think the uh, if anyone requires me to prove <laughs> my hypothesis, I would like to direct their attention at Exhibit A, namely that sword fight or those sword <laughs> fights. Because they were terrible. Remind I didn't me. like the jousting, though. What's... I know you didn't like the jousting. I enjoy the jousting. I was going to say, like, ironically, the jousting was actually quite good. Because, obviously, you can't just shove an actor on a horse and say, joust. Those were real, like, professional like professional, professional jousters. jousters. I'm putting yeah. in quotes because it's such a weird Can concept. Can you imagine? But... <laughs> I mean, seriously. Oh, wow. Did we ever choose the wrong line of work? Can you imagine in a different, just a slightly alternate timeline, both of us were professional jousters? Would that not be amazing? Wow. We're there I mean, in the stables, we're like, we're be <laughs> stroking our horses and <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, a bit polishing our, this is all very homoerotic, polishing our jousting equipment. I'm, I'm miming it, by the way, on That's webcam. Very large pole you've got there, you're polishing. <laughs> Away at. Yeah, how are you doing there, Jim? Very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, great. Looking forward to today's jousting? Absolutely. And then... <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not quite sure what the actions are that Leon's... Like, you can... I'm sure you can imagine the action he's mainly doing, which is an up and down, as if there's a big shaft. <laughs> Only uh, one of us. Hand Only one of us. One of us is brushing a horse, man. <laughs> oh, that's the other action. Okay. Brushing a horse, what? right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. My worry is that it would lead to the end of our friendship because like in act two, it turns out we're both pretty good jousters and now we become competitors and towards act three, the, the problem becomes, oh no, like when we can no, we're no longer capable of being friends because we're both competing for that title of lead jouster. And then, uh, but maybe, uh, but maybe, maybe the, you know, the crux of the story is close to the end. We realize actually we were jousting for our friendship. And uh, oh, oh my goodness! Yeah. Actually, you know what? This is this is good. Hit me in the feels, man. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going to have a quick break while we um, virtually cuddle and everything. No, um, absolutely. What are we talking good about? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Man. I have absolutely no idea. Oh, okay. A bit of trivia: people who were considered for the role of Sir Ranulph Fitzwilliam, Ooh, Brian okay. Blessed who it seems was considered for every role that we bring up in trivia. Um, I mean, I absolutely love the guy, but I just, I can't imagine him in anything that isn't meant to be just bombastically stupid. You know? Exactly. It would be a waste of Brian Blessed. Yeah. Another actor, Julian Glover. Julian Glover, mm. whom you'll recognize, he was in, um, he was the alien dude in Paris, you know, City of Death. He's yeah, the yeah. guy... White suit, alien head. Uh, he was also in, oh, what's it called? The Cru It's either called The Crusade or The Crusaders. It's a William Hartnell serial. He was King Richard. Oh, okay. He was also King Richard in Ivanhoe, which the uh, the jousting scene here, like it, whenever I see any kind of jousting, like how often do we see jousting in our lives? So whenever I see jousting, my mind immediately goes to Ivanhoe. It's just like, fuck, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to do as a kid be a knight joust meet women 
Uh, and he nearly played this part. Huge waste of Julian Glover. And another, I mean, there are lots of names on this list, but another one that I've singled out here, Peter Vaughan. He doesn't have a dedicated page on Todd's Wicker, but if you search for Peter Vaughan, he was either in or considered for a shit ton of who. Like a crazy amount of who. And if you look him up on IMDb, I bet you you'll see that he's a freaking legend. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. I can't believe I didn't do that to start with. I don't think I actually know him from much stuff. Uh, Okay, so I've just gone to his page on IMDb and on his, you know how like in on IMDb it pulls a random personal quote and a random piece of trivia and like, hey, if you want to see more trivia, click on this thing. So the piece of trivia that at random was selected for Peter Vaughan here is... He was considered for many guest roles in Doctor Who, General Grogger in Megalos, Orcon in State of Decay, Sir Robert Muir in Black Orchid, Ranulf in The King's Demons, Colonel George Wolsey in The Awakening, Lord Ravensworth in The Mark of the Rani, Shockeye in The Two Doctor, Orchini in Revelation of the Daleks, Gavrock in Delta and the Bannerman. And De Flores in Silver Something. Nemesis? Who knows? It goes on and on and on. This guy is, he's like a legend in discarded Who. Wow, that's... So is it the case that you think they were just, they were always wanting him and they managed to land it? When did they actually manage to get him? Wait, that's a good question. Let me find, I'm going to go back again. I'm sorry. Wait, I, did they? I, I'm actually not finding Did they? No, that's a super good question. Um, let's see. No, I think that's the thing. They always wanted him. They never did. They never did. You're right. They absolutely never did. So he's, he's, he's just the Doctor Who wish list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and sadly, I mean, I say sadly, he was 93 at the time. He passed away in 2016. Yeah, you missed your chance, BBC. For people who don't recognize the name Peter Vaughan, he was one of the crows in Game of Thrones. He was the blind guy among the black crows in Game of Thrones, if that means anything to you. Anywho. I'd actually quite like to go back to that end scene. Because on the subject of of companions that we were kind of like struggling to find things that they were really doing. Like this, this is the only thing we really get with everyone together again. Like we have a brief scene when they first arrive, but then Turlo... Looks out of a window and then is separated from the other two through most of it. And the doctor doesn't give a shit, <laughs> which is quite interesting. Uh, I think Tegan asks where he, where Turlo is and the doctor's like, oh, he's around. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not really right until the end that we get them all back together again. And I felt like... Like, what you were saying about Turlo, it was just, like, someone wrote random lines for different characters. Like, Turlo was being kind of nice, but on the flip side, Tegan was being so, I don't know, like, nasty, unreceptive to the idea of Chameleon coming on board and just saying, like, it's just a robot and, you know, it doesn't have feelings, all this kind of stuff. And I was just, I was just really surprised. I, I felt like that wasn't anything we had seen, like, to expect from Tegan's character before. And I don't know how how you felt about that, whether that was a bit weird. I would tend to agree with you. I have kind of a both a an argument for and an argument against this. What, what I was going to say was compare this to K9. Imagine that this robot, Chameleon, Chameleon is a robot. Chameleon just happens to be the shape of a person. Imagine he looked like K9. We've had past companions similar to Tegan, as in, you know, humans, interact with K9 and just immediately warm to K9. Like this, mm. uh, yeah, sure, K9's a robot, but that's almost sweet. It infantilizes the companion that is K9. 
here there is an automatic assumption of negativity. That's the sort of argument for there being an unfair depiction of Tegan's reaction to Chameleon being invited aboard the TARDIS here. The, The argument against it is... Chameleon has in fact tried to kill all of them. Chameleon has been a fucking shit dirtbag in the employ of the Master since the get-go, and potentially yeah. that's the reason why Tegan is skeptical. I see I what you're I saying, just... though. Like, I, She's able to forgive Turlow for being in, under the influence of the Black Guardian, then surely she should be able to forgive Chameleon for being under the influence of the Master. I mean, absolutely. I found it odd that it was her like i would have totally bought that scene if tolo was basically saying tegan's parts and tegan was basically saying tolo's parts like it really felt like they had they had been flipped okay uh let's take a moment and imagine that that one time maybe 10 minutes ago when i claimed the retro rewrite award of the week let's imagine for a moment that i was awarded a crown i hereby give you that crown because (laughs) that's exactly what should be done they should be reversed and maybe also add the assumption that there are adventures between serials that we're not privy to. And consequently, for that reason, Tegan could even utter those lines of, oh yeah, the Eye of Orion is very beautiful, kind of alluding to an adventure that she's been on in you know off screen, which would also explain why she's capable of maneuvering the fucking TARDIS, because we didn't <laughs> see the adventure where she learned how to. Yeah. Oh, how does that crown feel? Freaking well done, dude. That's yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's the mistake here. I think it. I think it mostly works that way around. I think that there's one thing I'm remembering actually is that it was Tegan that was rightly suspicious of Turlo at the very start, and in. Again, you can you can kind of take it one way or the other. You can either say, well, this is the same Tegan. This is te- Tegan being suspicious of a newcomer and just, especially one that has come in under, I can't remember what happened when Turlo first appeared, but definitely here, you know, we've seen a character, like you say, that's been trying to kill them and it's been un- under the influence of the master. And it's like, there is a reason to be suspicious there. But on the flip side, it's equating the two. And it's like, as an audience, we knew Turlo was working with the Black Guardian and was out to kill the doctor as badly executed as that may have been and so you were on side with tegan being distrustful and everyone else not being you know not not thinking about things logically was really frustrating but here it's like what this is presented as a, a character that has some some will of its own that we don't yet fully understand and has been effectively manipulated and abused by the master and we you know we're told that in very clear terms and then to have tegan still being distrustful feels weak it feels like she's just distrustful of everything and yeah like you say we've seen other instances where she's shown that she is caring and and yeah it doesn't it doesn't doesn't work that that way given that we now know that there's a very finite amount of chameleon coming up what would you ideally like to see do you want her to be proven right and actually chameleon is kicked out of the tardis because he turns out to be a homicidal maniac <laughs> or just a manipulative bastard or would you like chameleon to be a really you know on the other side of the spectrum chameleon is that the best possible individual is just incredibly grateful and humble and and, and kind 
and maybe just leaves on his own accord, or maybe even does the standard trope of sacrifice himself for the rest of the TARDIS crew, or what have you. I think given the setup and the fact that we have already had Turlo, it would have to be the latter side of things. I, I don't... Yeah, because otherwise it's just retreading the same steps that Turlo comes on board under suspicious circumstances and is That's there true. to make yeah. trouble. Um, and, you know, Turlo's still there. <laughs> like, it's it's not that this is in yeah. the frequent past. It's with the character that's, you know, instigated that is still on the TARDIS. So... Do you know uh, how I much mean, longer we get Turlo? I actually don't know. I, I remember getting a hint that it was a long time that he's in the TARDIS. Oh, what? Really? I rem- But oh, I think shit, when I first bananas. saw that, that might have been like, it's a season. And we've had a season of him now. Like This is the end of season 20. Like, we... Um, we will very very soon. Wait, this, is this, this the, the season closer? One. This is a season closer. Yeah, which is hey, did you did you see how much extra information you got? How how much budget they threw in, and uh, you know, no That's expense spared. <laughs> utter utter crap! I mean, holy moly! Wow. But yeah, I I think we've only got one season left of Davison. Is that right? I'm looking at the list of episodes right now. So King's Demons, two-episode arc, boom, we're done with season 20. Next up, we're going to have the special. It's the five Doctors. And then after that, season 21, oh, it's the that. last of the fifth fifth Doctor. And in fact, they're all, not, they're not all, but it's four episodes, two episodes, four episodes, two episodes, four and four, done. And yeah. then we're on the sixth Doctor. So even if um, like Turlo stays around for the rest of Davison's, it's yeah, it's it's one more series. But <sighs> I I kind of recall seeing. I'm gonna do it. Just, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up Turlo. <laughs> oh shit! I mean, wait, wait, hang on. I haven't done it yet. Shall Shall I look up? What does it get you? <laughs> Answer me that. Oh, oh I really want to know now. I really want to know if we get Turlo for a long time. What I recall is that I'm I'm fairly confident that we have talked about this. I haven't looked it up, certainly not since, but I'm fairly confident that we've had a conversation about Tegan being there for the run of the fifth doctor. Yeah, that rings a vapor. I think so. I think in the beginning when Tegan showed up and neither one of us really liked her. <laughs> We looked up how long she was around. We saw that she was there for the duration and both just went, oh, for F's sake. <laughs> Turlo. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Uh, if you want me to tell you, I will tell you. Fuck it. I'm looking too. Yeah, he's in the next one. He's he's in it for the duration. Yeah, yeah he's in it for the duration. He's there until the very last um, Davison episode. Well, I mean, dick hats. <laughs> the thing is, though, that... I feel like they've kind of, I mean, as as you kind of felt and have said already, I I kind of think they've wiped the slate clean a little bit. Like we we didn't yeah. get like we we were talking in the last episode about what could happen this episode. We were we were hopeful that we were going to go to his home planet, and well, we were hopeful that we were probably going to get rid of him. But it was at least going to be maybe a bit of exploratory stuff with that character and finding a, a bit about his backstory closing yeah, off maybe that. the black guardian stuff a little bit and it's just no it's just boom totally different thing slight mention at the end that was well, slight mention at the beginning and the end that they didn't go to his home planet and actually he's a little bit bothered but not that bothered he's not really pressuring the doc to take him home yeah, it's just whoever wrote the last I mean, one so, basically yeah, didn't so far, speak. Yeah, so far hugely that. disappointing. Yeah, it's like 
It 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 really feels like <laughs> left hand is not talking to right hand at the moment in this this production of Doctor Who. It's like you leave it with one one yeah, serial. Yeah, because the right hand is too big, jerking off Turlo. And you go, <laughs> stop it, stop it for a second. <laughs> Just listen. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't have to be his. Like, well, a you didn't have to mention that he was. You were going to go to his home world at the end of the last serial. B, if you did go to his home world, doesn't mean he he has to leave the TARDIS. Um, C, if you're gonna make a big thing about going to his home world and then decide not to, how about actually including him a little bit in the story so we at least know more about him? I don't know. Yeah, it's just um, really exactly. weird. How about addressing what that home world is? Yeah, yeah. Just mention the name of where everyone, he's including from. Tegan. <laughs> yeah, everyone at this point is super duper on board with him being an alien from some other world that they are trying to get. To. Goodness knows why they're incapable of going there because that TARDIS works just well. Like he, he should be fine. He should be there already. But no one is asking where that place is and why he left it. Yeah. It bugs me. It bugs the yeah, hell me out too. of me. me too. <laughs> Because, I mean, you could have easily had a scene where, like, maybe Turlo and Tegan got in prison together. And there's a brief scene where it's them chatting about stuff and she's asking him questions or something. Entirely superfluous to the main plot. But then they're happy to show the king singing a little song. So why not replace that with a little bit of actual yeah. character development for people we give a shit about? <laughs> or at least a mentor. So imagine, <laughs> same time period, imagine Robots of Sherwood where you have Capaldi and Robert. Robin Hood tied up in the dungeons. Yeah. Imagine that exact same scene, but it is those two. It's Turlo and Tegan. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I just, I don't understand this here. I don't understand why with the... Sorry, I'm, I'm probably just going to say this exact same thing in my little <laughs> review. <laughs> Do you want to jump into that? Shall we try to rate this? Yeah, I think we probably should. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well, apparently I've been nominated to go first uh, <laughs> and retroactively failed the finger on nose game because I didn't know we were playing it, but whatever. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Looking through my notes and, oh my God, my overriding thought is it's shite. That's that's basically <laughs> what it boils down to. <laughs> I mean, it didn't get off to a good start in my head because I'm really not a fan of tropey medieval shit. Like, it's been done to death. It's even been done to death in Doctor Who. It's just, if you're wheeling that out, oh my god, you've you've hit the bar below the ground. You're going to have to do some really amazing shit to get it back up again. That's where I started from. <laughs> And then, yeah, we've got an entire episode in a master serial where the master is pretending to be a French knight. He's fighting, he's jousting, he's failing to do a French accent. I don't know why. And then it's revealed to be the master. And then towards the end of the second part of a two-part serial, you get the revelation that there is this other character pretending to be someone else. And I don't know, it's just... I find just the concept of this serial ridiculous. The plot of it is ridiculous. We've talked <laughs> in so many great details about how delaying or 
hopefully in the master's mind stopping the magna carta from coming into being then makes him emperor of earth or destabilizes the earth's history in such a way that he can rule over the chaos afterwards or whatever no not buying it it's british arrogance or it's just stupidity to say that that is a a worthwhile plotline for the master we've got absent companions we've got a doctor that is at the same time weak whilst he's swashbuckling and then being like sneaky in pretending to like play the part of the king's right hand which is i don't know it's not a trait we've seen from this doctor it's not a trait i'm buying from this doctor i don't think it was performed very well from this doctor and yeah that's enough this by the way um we, we failed to mention this has the 600th episode in it it's as we have mentioned the end of a season this should be so much bang so much kind of excitement and celebration of what doctor who is about and it's come down to tropey medieval shit a master not really doing anything and trying to introduce a new character slash companion in the worst way ever okay what are positives? Mm-hmm. Well, we've got some nice effects. The the going from French bloke to master, i.e. removing some makeup, whatever. I actually quite like that. It was quite a smooth effect. The um the fact that the master gets Jeffrey Archered. <laughs> Jeffrey Archer. Oh my god, I didn't realise that. <laughs> Jeffrey <laughs> <Sorry>. Archer. <laughs> he gets an archer. I wish you to... mean his beagle gets transported across space. <laughs> what? I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> what Sorry. Star Trek Enterprise. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know that <laughs> reference. <laughs> Which, wait, 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 wait. Which Jeffrey Archer were you thinking of? The author, Jeffrey Archer. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, the fact that the master is getting a random archer to shoot the person he needs to get rid of. Like, that was cool. That's the master being awesome. And that's two seconds of, of footage in this film. Um,. <laughs> I like the effect of like chameleon like shifting into people like it's not obviously a funky warping effect of like you get from say what's he called Odo in um, Deep Space Nine but for for what they're trying to achieve in 1983 that was really cool. A random thing we didn't talk about as well, which I put in the negative column, was the whole kind of like battle of wills, trying to take control of Chameleon, like the the faces flashing on the screen. We didn't talk about that at all. I mean, we've seen that a few times before with with Time Lords. I think maybe it's only ever come up with Time Lords, or I'm not quite sure. But the idea of the, um, Doc trying to kind of like have a mental duel with someone, and I felt like this was probably the worst incarnation of that we've seen to date. Yeah, brain most of them are terrible. Well. Yeah, that was the one that came to my mind as well. So, I mean, I, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get why when you want to introduce a new character, you decide not to really feature that character. When you've got two companions already, you decide not to write them really into the story. I mean, you spend more time talking about and being with this random lord and his cousin and the fake king john than you do any of the people you're meant to care about and for that reason and a basic c above for all my rants during this entire (laughs) podcast episode i i wrote down a one because i was trying to look through previous things i had i had rated and go it's not quite as bad as that it's not quite as bad as that is it is it as bad as that and i've convinced myself actually it is as bad as that so i'm going to go with my traditional low score which is a 0.8 <laughs> oh, oh even further below 0.8 <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Change of heart at the end. <laughs> I love it. Excellent mini. I would like to preface my mini by saying what I told you off uh, off screen, off the record. I had written a rating for this before you press record, and I have since lowered it by 0.5. But when you <laughs> mentioned your rating just a moment ago, I did go, oh, wow. Wow. I have a huge heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Oh no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. don't worry, it's not that drastic. Okay, I would like to uh, start off, I'll be super duper brief, I'd like to start off by saying I second your opinion about the, the the wasteful nature of the BBC in 1983 in terms of squandering anniversary potential. The 600th episode, holy moly, 600 episodes and going strong. But you know what? Let's change things up a bit. Let's change them, <laughs> let's change them up completely, in fact. Introduce a new companion, in, ignore all the character strengths that we've established for our existing companions to date. Wow. Really, almost... I mean, it takes almost, balls, yeah. It, it does take take balls, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Huge balls, BBC, but those balls, or <laughs> their magnitude is unforgivable. <laughs> it may be that they were thinking, hey, the next episode is a proper anniversary. It's the 20th anniversary. Who cares about a 600th episode? But, I mean, they were publicizing it. Yeah, make a bigger deal of it. Anyway, yeah, let's have a look at the characters. Doc, meek, sometimes acting against his own character doesn't really get to do much because it's a two-episode arc and not that much happens in the first place. Turlow, largely absent. Tegan, largely absent, and when she is present, seems to not really be herself either. Is also, you know, the squandered potential there. The Master, as I said before, Master Light, Diet Master. There's nothing new added from the Master here. Sure, there's another plot, but this plot follows the exact same template that we've seen before. It isn't even explored in particularly interesting depth because we don't have the television real estate for it. We only have two episodes to play with. This is someone reading the cliff notes of a master plot, and that's just never going to be unsatisfying. In terms of production value, yeah, sure, great. Love the sets. There's a there's a myth, apparently. There's a bit of a um, an urban legend that these are the same. I say urban legend because I don't, I have actually found if this is true or not but there is a theory that these are the same sets used by Blackadder um, oh, right. one thing to to corroborate that is that the Iron Maiden prop that was used for the Master's TARDIS also does appear in an episode of Blackadder, that same prop. So it's it, uh-huh. it's not entirely unlikely that it's uh, there's at least some overlap in production. But in general, yeah, the production value is is fine. And perhaps number one on the list of items in terms of production value is the chameleon prop. The, the chameleon is a, a very sexy robot prop as a robot props go. I, I was quite impressed by the, the way in which the mouth moved when he spoke, for example. Great. Oh, I bet yeah. you were impressed by that mouth. <laughs> by mm. how the mouth moved. Yeah, almost reminiscent of former bandmate of Peter Capaldi's Craig Ferguson's co-host on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson back in the day before James Corden. His talk show co-host was a skeleton prop that just moved his mouth whenever someone spoke, uh, and like they would have some bands. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Late Late Show no. with Craig Ferguson, definitely very politically incorrect at times, but highly uh, underrated. Uh, anyway, yeah, fuck, I don't want to go down a Craig Ferguson rabbit hole. Uh, so yeah, great prop. And I cannot believe that until you mentioned it, the chameleon aspect of this character had not dawned 
dawned on me as potentially being really rather interesting uh, as an asset for a future companion. Yeah, we could kind of, every single episode, we could have a different, Chameleon could take on a different persona, giving new meaning to Companion of the Week or Companion of the Month. That could be pretty cool. But if this whole episode was designed to introduce Chameleon, then they could maybe have done a little bit. They could have done a better job, basically. Long story short, I started off by giving this episode, before we pressed record, a 1.7. And I have since taken this down to a 1.2. Okay, okay. So I'm still in the the ones. Yeah, that's okay. I I was slightly worried that I was just way off, way (laughs) down in the gutter. (laughs) Because you know what? (laughs) It's the thought that counts. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Full disclosure, we've already glanced through the list of the minis. We know there are some people out there who are on a very yeah. different page to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that's great. Like, uh, we also were saying offline, it's like, you know that we love Doctor Who, yeah? When we rate oh these God, low, yes. it's it doesn't mean we hate Doctor Who. It doesn't even mean we really, really hate this. It's just like... We uh, we expect more, that's all. Yeah, exactly. And the scale is on a scale of Doctor Who episodes and serials. Yeah, it's like, this is a, a 30, and an episode of EastEnders is a 3. <laughs> <laughs> on that note... <laughs> <laughs> How about we have a look at what Podcast Land thinks? Let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron, and welcome to the Listener Mini section of this podcast episode. Holy moly, Podcast Land. You have, you have shown your huge hearts in that we've received not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but ten Listener Minis for this episode. Thank you very much, everyone who sent them in. Ooh, as we amazing, been, thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, as we have been wont to do of late, we have picked three of these ten minis out of a hat, and we will be reading them out in their full splendor. The other seven we are reading snippets of, and we urge you uh, to please go to whoback1.com and to read them there in their full splendor. We're going to start with the snippets. First, out the gate, we've got... Stephen from Canada. From Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> so here are the snippets that we've picked from Stephen's mini. Snip, snip, snip. It's amazing how perfectly the master works as a villain in adventures set in the past. His scheming is very reminiscent of the meddling monk or the villains of the war games. They are the antithesis of the doctor, bounding through history and destroying everything they can. Snip, snip, snip. Overall, he gives this story 3.5 crudely applied ginger beards out of 5, which is (laughs) an excellent rating. Huge heart, Stephen. Huge heart. And a fantastic rating system. Please, podcast land, go to whobackone.com, read Stephen's mini in its full splendor because it is, we're going to say this about every single mini we've received. Holy smokes, we just read them off, off the record. They are all fantastic. So please do go to whobackone.com, read Stephen's mini in his full splendor and say hi to him on Twitter. He can be found at S Andreachen. That's Andreachen. <laughs> Thank you. Who's Stephen? next? Thank you, Stephen. Why? It's Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. What up, Kieran? And Kieran has this to say after some previous bits, which we have cut. The thing that spoils this one is the ending. It feels very rushed, and all of a sudden, this may be a problem of the two-parter format, as the writers are too used to the space of a four-parter to allow things to grow and develop naturally. Here's your friend who agrees snip, with you. Snip, snip. 
I mean, definitely. Uh, Kieran also says, in terms of summing up, not bad, just the ending letting it down for me. 3.4 out of 5. Holy moly! 3.4. Holy smokes, Kieran. How does your heart fit inside your chest? <laughs> I mean, Kieran, chat with Stephen. Stephen, chat with Kieran. You guys are on the same page. <laughs> That's right. Holy smokes! <laughs> Stephen, if you want to do that on on Twitter, you can find Kieran at KJ Evans (laughs) 2. That's 2, the number. Thank you very much, Kieran. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Next up, we've got Ed Corbett. (laughs) It's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. We've done some snipping here again, and we're going to jump straight to the end. Snip, snip, snip. Ed says, normally Doc turns up and everyone distrusts him. Then he spends the entire serial winning them over. Here, he starts off generally well-liked. But by the time he leaves, he has not a single ally in the castle. When it comes to the battle for hearts and minds, the master was for once the definitive winner. And Ed gives this 2.2 out of 5. Which is a... I mean, holy moly, that that paragraph so solidly encapsulates this. Thank you very much, Ed. That is incredibly spot on. Well done. It is. It's summarizing in a way I hadn't actually quite summarized in my head. So thank you very much, Ed. There's more to ponder on. Mm. Yeah, very insightful. Who's next? (laughs) Oh, shit, these espresso martinis are hitting me. I'm so sorry that just now they're hitting me. Thank goodness at 11.24. (laughs) It's just for listening minis, dude. It happens every time. It's not the outcome. It does. Oh, it does. I'm so sorry, podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> In answer to your question, next up, we have none other than Michael Ridgway. 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 What up, Hello, Michael? Michael? Hi there, Michael. Hi, Michael. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> See? Anyway. <laughs> um, Michael was kind enough to give us some likes and some <laughs> So I'm going to quickly read one of each. The like being medieval intrigue, lavish sets, one brutal Game of Thrones crossbow kill, minimal turlo, and a half-decent stab at an animatronic robot. I mean, I feel like that's more than one like there, but anyway. (laughs) And from the column, we have, um, is that it? Where are episodes three and four? Did the writer die halfway through? There was no resolution. I wanted the real King John to rock up and have a big ruckus. We would tease TARDIS crew doppelgangers. I was expecting the real badass demons to show up. Surely stopping Magna Carta was part of a wider scheme to create some future to the master's advantage? Sorely disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Uh, We didn't talk about this, but I I also initially expected there to be the the, the daemons in this one. Ah. The rating summary that Michael gave us was 2.2 out of 5 poor souls subjected to the Iron Maiden though sadly not Turlo <laughs> indeed uh, can people find Michael online? as always Michael oh, thank you very much um, yes of course people can find Michael online if they don't oh. know by now my goodness have you not been paying attention because it's so simple <laughs> Like, you can repeat it with me if you want. Even if you're just out in the street, you can say it. It's bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. <laughs> That's right. Go on, grab someone That's on the street. They Michael. can say the underscore bit for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael 
so big. <laughs> Who's next? Why, it's Tan Six Fingers. Hello, Tan Six Fingers. Hello, AKA Tan. Ben O'Neill. Hello, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Tan Six Fingers provided us with a maxi review, and I have perhaps not entirely... <laughs> <laughs> unexpectedly gone with the Star Trek The Next Generation related paragraph in it. <laughs> Here we go. I don't know whether it is a trope, but the dialogue between the Doctor and the Master about being the better swordsman is reminiscent of the dialogue between Picard and Sir Guy of Gisborne in Star Trek The Next Generation episode Cupid, season 4, episode 20, where Sir Guy says he's, quote, the greatest swordsman in all of Nottingham, and Picard replies that he's not from Nottingham. Of course, The King's Demons was broadcast eight years earlier. And, Tan Six Fingers concludes, I think this story was a nice diversion, but lacked much substance. And he gives this a rating of 2.2 out of 5. Ooh-wee! Nice! Solid rating from a solid dude. It's Tan Six Fingers. Uh, I'm trying out new slogans. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Tans. Fan Tans on Twitter and Insta. He is Tans Six Fingers and Tans Six Fingers on Twitter and Insta. That's six, the number, and the word, respectively. That's not at all confusing. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, it's not. Thanks for saying that, Jim. Now we aren't confused. (laughs) Who's next? What's happening? Oh, next up, that's who we've got. We've got Andy Parkinson. Hello, Andy. What up, Andy? Uh, Andy says, uh, Greetings, brave Sir Leon and Sir James and hey, nonny nonny, podcast land. Um, <laughs> Love it. Great stuff. And Andy gave us some intro stuff and then some also some likes and beefs. So one of each a piece again. Those are the rules, apparently, for this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the like that we have chosen is, look at the size of that bed. It's just another way of keeping warm. Nice chat up line, Doc. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Holy moly. All right. Hang on. Where's where's my moleskin? I'm writing that one down. (laughs) (laughs) And the beef we have singled out is the ending. They just say, oh, look at that thing over there. Run into the TARDIS and disappear. Why don't they just do that every week? Yeah, because then every week would be as shite as this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But rightfully uh, highlighted as a beef. And Andy, in summary, says, I award this 1.1 dodgy French accents out of 5. Oh, solid rating, Andy. Holy moly, here's our friend who agrees with us. Pretty much, yeah. Slap bang in the middle of the yeah. kind of. People who are not Andy can surely find him online somewhere. Why, of course they can. Again, if you don't know by now, there is... That number of Caffreys that he is associated with, 71 in fact, put it all together, Caffreys, 71. That's 71, the number. For your Indeed. convenience. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Andy. <laughs> You're a legend. Thank you, Andy. Next up, we've got Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. Neil starts. Neon Jim, good morrow, you mischievous demons. Well, good morrow to you, sir. Oh, good morrow, uh, Neil, indeed. I need to add here, Neil has, uh, in fact, emailed uh, some minis from prior episodes as well and wanted to post hoc after the fact and just wanted to very briefly summarize what that was. And they can be summarized thusly. Mordred on dead. Hello, Turlo. The brig is back. Pretty 
really good. Terminus, Goodbye Nissa, Why Are You Stripping, Drab and Doll, Enlightenment, Bolts in Space, Holy Shit, what a great story. That's right. <laughs> Neil, your minis are now online. Thank you very much for sending those in. Neil has also addressed this one, of course, and we're doing some snippage here as well. So, snip, snip, snip on the King's Demons, and then he says, Tegan's new shirt is very 80s. Creepy King sings a medieval banger. Then we get a semi-decent sword fight. Chameleon is discovered, and they kidnap him. The end. Not much else to say. The second episode is a drag, and even the cast looks bored. I don't hate it, but I'm thankful it's only short. And he gives this a rating of 2.2 out of five solid rating from neil what up neil and i i feel like the difference between our rating and well particularly my rating and neil's can be summed up by the fact that he felt like the song was a medieval banger and it was a semi-decent sword fight (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah somehow in those two regards this is your friend who disagrees with you (laughs) yeah Fine, fine. Hey, yeah. <laughs> People who are not Neil, please say hi to Neil on Twitter. He can be found at Neil Androzani. Androzani. That concludes the set of minis that we have snipped accordingly. Thank you all of you who sent something in. Very sorry that we uh, this week um, happened to pick you for snippage. But please, podcast land, hand on over to backwonder.com and read these minis slash maxis in their full splendor because they are fantastic. Now, now, the, the next set of minis we will be reading in their full splendor live on the air. Who's first, Jim Cakes? Well, the first full reading will be for Paul Waring. Hello, Paul. What up, Paul? Hello. Paul starts. At two episodes in length, The King's Demons doesn't get much chance to develop a plot or story, but it's an interesting diversion with some fun elements. The character of Chameleon is fascinating, although due to the unreliable nature of the prop, he only appears in one more TV serial. He does, however, reappear in novels and Big Finish audios. Ah, there we go. Mm. I love the sword fights, particularly the one between the Doctor and the Master, and the Doctor's deadpan response to being told his opponent is the best swordsman in France. Fortunately, we are in England. Turlo seems to be able to handle himself well too, although he does spend most of the story locked up in a dungeon. Indeed. There are a few unanswered questions, of course. Why is the Master intervening in Earth history? His actions might muck up the timeline a bit, but it's a far cry from holding the universe to ransom in Logopolis. It also seems a bit odd that King John has a French champion, when the French (laughs) caused him so much trouble and he lost his territories in Normandy. And why does everyone ask Sir Joffrey who shot him? In the back... Such a good point. (laughs) Paul concludes overall, (laughs) this is a satisfactory filling between two excellent stories, and he gives this 3.25 out of 5. Nice one. That is some solid stuff, Paul. Paul. Yeah. Yeah, Thank thank you very much for sending that in. Uh, people who are not Paul can follow Paul on Twitter. He is at P Waring. Waring. Waring indeed. Mm, thanks, Paul. Thanks again, Who's Paul. Who's next? It's the guy we always want a little bit more from, Derek Moore. Hello, Derek. Derek starts. I look forward with bated breath as to your opinions on the greatest of all companions. By that I mean, what the fuck is this? Chameleon. <laughs> 
see above. It appears as if the producers of Doctor Who in the 1980s fell in love with anything that looked futuristic but had to be cheap. If the Grand <laughs> Doctor and his companions found an Apple IIe computer, they would have made it a companion. Oh, wait, they did. Just look at the TARDIS console. I am so glad they did not run into anything else, such as this robot. Um, there's a visual thing here, unfortunately. The Heathkit Hero, which Derek says, FYI, the company that made this later went bankrupt. I will try to describe <laughs> this picture. I mean, it's a grey box that may or may not have eyes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a really sexy machine. Thank you for sharing that, Derek. Yeah. Uh, Podcast Land. I'm gonna try to put this on the website. I can't guarantee that I'll be successful, but I will. I will do my very best. Um, Derek continues. As for a rating, well, this series pretty much blows, but it is only two episodes long. So a total of two out of five poorly made robots that will probably go insane by the end. <laughs> Indeed. Sincerely, Derek Moore. <laughs> Thank you very much, Derek. Very good stuff. Thank you, Derek. Who's up next? Well, next up, last up, we've got... <gasps> Dude, bro, do we have a theme tune for this guy? Do we have a, a tagline? <laughs> I can't A sting? Okay, sorry. <laughs> We're doing two different songs you at the same time. I completely ruined it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, Caleb from Australia. <laughs> what up? <laughs> That's your theme tune for this week. That, that was We Will Rock You if you didn't get it. But hi, Caleb. Anyway. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> Caleb from Australia. <laughs> we were going to read out uh, lovely Caleb's review, which starts, Hey, hey, hello! I mean, enthusiastic to the hilt. But the actual review starts, I had only recently seen The King's Demons for the first time, with first-time viewings being a personal rarity for Classic Who nowadays. Having found the episode on VHS at a deceased estate, the traditionally painted cover art really drew me in, with cosmic bursts of pink and orange, along with the unnerving depiction of a silver android, Chameleon suggesting a wondrous pseudo-historical. Since watching the episode that same afternoon, I now wish it had been buried with its owner. <laughs> I mean, Love can we game. just give a award for opening mini there? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting down, but imagine I'm standing up. Standing ovation, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb continues, my biggest gripe, aside from the fact that the whole story feels like an inconsequential mess, is that Tegan seems to take 1,001 steps back in character development. She is, in my humble opinion, the most annoying in her entire tenure throughout this story. The prosthetics applied to Anthony Ainley aren't bad per se, but do little, if anything at all, in boosting the twist, quote-unquote, that he's been involved in goings-on. Shocker. The Doctor's bland, Turlo's bland, everyone's bland. Here's our friend that agrees with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a related note, Caleb also says, what do I think of Chameleon at this very moment? Death penalty for being so damn bland. <laughs> Caleb continues, the sets are quite nice, as are the costumes, but the direction from Tony Virgo does little to highlight this, as he composes shots and orchestrates scenes that evoke the same riveting feeling only a plain rice cracker could provide. <laughs> Can't say I'm the biggest fan of this story. Oh, you do surprise me, Caleb. <laughs> Although I love Tegan's weird patchwork coat, so I'd give it a one out of five. <laughs> 
damn good stuff, Caleb. Thank you so much. Oh, Caleb, <laughs> I, you're a genius. I That's personally fantastic. feel vindicated. I don't know how you feel, Leon, but yeah. Absolutely, yes. Good place to end. Holy moly, what a <laughs> mini to end on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Caleb. Thank you very much, everyone who sent something in for this one. And again, Podcast Land, the ones that we snipped, they are well worth reading in their full splendor. So please head on over to whobackone.com, find this episode, read them there. Absolutely worth your time. So thank you very much, everyone. And that does, in fact, conclude our King's Demons soiree, Jim Cakes. Cool, uh, blank, I've had a blast. Me this too. Is, this is good stuff, man. What Best have we got coming up? Ever. Wow. <laughs> what do we got coming up? <laughs> yeah, what do we have coming up? Sorry, there's a little bit of a lag of a Zencaster tonight. Uh, what do we have coming up next? Oh, well. Next up, we have a new Who serial, namely World Enough in Time, after which we're back in Classic Who territory with what, Jim? It's only the 20th anniversary special known as The Five Doctors. What the? Beep. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Cannot wait. Can't wait. Physically incapable of waiting, I'm going to implode. We'll probably also do a bonus episode at some point coming up soon. We have been saying that it's probably going to be one of our Who Back When branded audiobooks, but it looks like production might take a little bit longer. And on top of that, there was the very recent reveal of uh, Russell T. Davies, RTD, coming back to run the show yet again. So hashtag RTD2, we may just sit down for a little bonus conversation about that coming up very soon. In the meantime, though, fret not, you can say hello to us online at Jim Cakes. Where are you available? Where can people find you? Not at Jim Cakes, unfortunately. They can find me at Jimmy mm. the Who instead. Jimmy the Who, you say? That's quite correct, yes. Good hearing you have. That's freaking excellent branding, Dag Nabbit. Oh, everyone's so much better at it than I am. I can be found at Ponkin. Yeah, beats me why, I don't know. Yeah, on a serious note, say hi, I will say hi right back. You have been a lovely audience, so thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, please be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's who back slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website who back where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?